Well, good morning. Hope everyone is uh, at least semi-conscious this morning, and I don't depress your state of consciousness. So we're talking this week about seeking the king. The wise men worshipped Jesus. On the other hand, Herod sought to kill him. So our memory verse, same as last week, let's try to say it together. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I can never hear any of you. Are you saying it? Not Very good. Okay. Last week, we looked at the events around the birth of Jesus and about how many misconceptions and misunderstandings we have. We looked at the reality of Christ's incarnate nature and the many misunderstandings and heresies that have come about it. This week, we're going to be looking at two, well, really three, groups reacting to the news. So our first passage, please. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Manuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So the first worship that Jesus really got on this earth happened when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem according to the law of Moses. This would have been 41 days after his birth, per the law. And they brought two birds as sacrifice, which shows that they were very poor. Because the normal sacrifice was a lamb and a bird. And only if you were too poor for the lamb did you get a bird and a bird. 
Uh, Simeon came that day. It wasn't his job to be at the temple that day, but he came that, to the temple that day under the guidance of the Lord. And as soon as he saw them, he recognized what he'd been waiting for. I don't know if God put a big red arrow in his sight, <laughs> but in some way God told him, this is the Messiah. <clears throat> and he praised and worshipped God for bringing his promised Messiah. And Anna also recognized Jesus as Messiah, possibly by hearing Simeon. Uh, possibly that the Lord told her directly. The Bible is quiet. And she also spoke up. And both of them spread the word there in Jerusalem of the coming Messiah. Let me have the second passage, please. Chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So the wise men, big part of the uh, Christmas story, although chances are they didn't show up that night. Matter of fact, there's a lot of evidence that they didn't show up that night. They came, <coughs> excuse me, after the birth of, Re of Jesus and during the reign of Herod the Great. The wise men, the Bible tells us indirectly, were astrologers. They studied the stars to get clues about what was happening on earth. Now, and they were advisors to their kings, much as Daniel was, although he was not an astrologer. They came from the east. And I really should have shown a map here. But if you know, you, you've seen lots of biblical maps over the, over the years. They didn't come from Babylon, which is to the north. They came from the east. They may have come as far away as India or China. We don't know. But open up your Bible map and look at it and go left until you see something that looks civilized. Because they didn't come from the middle of the desert. Now, they came seeking a king. They saw his star in the east. People get really balled up about this. If they were in the east, and his star was in the east, further east that is, why, would, why did they come west following a star that was in the east? Don't get confused. 
when they were in the east, and I'm going to go over here to the east. When they were in the east, they saw his star up in the sky, yeah? And they followed it to Judea, not by following the star physically, because that can be challenging, but because the star told them where he was born. And you might go, hmm? Even though astrology is false, and was false back then, it had rules. And if a star, a new star appeared in a certain part of the sky, it would tell them the king was born in Judea. So when they followed the stars, they saw king in Judea, and they went to Judea. Does that make sense? They didn't try to follow the star in the way that mariners in later centuries would use the North Star, but they wouldn't really follow it. They'd set their course based on where the North Star was. These astrologers, looking at the sky, said, that new star right there, it's in this part of the sky, which means the child is born in Jerusalem. So they, not Jerusalem, in Judea. So they went to Herod, the king of Judea, figuring he'll know where the child is. The only directions they had from the star were go to Judea. They arrive in Judea and they ask Herod, where is he who is, you know, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And Herod went, what? As far as he knew, he was king of the Jews. He wasn't real happy about the idea of a king of the Jews being born. So he calls in his wise men, priests, and other people. And they go back through the scrolls and they say, well, it's right here. It's in Malachi. He'll be born in Bethlehem from Jerusalem about five miles west. So he, he goes, and, and everybody, they all unanimously agree. There's no question. This is where the child is. He's in Bethlehem. So then Herod privately meets with the wise men. And he asks them, when did the star that they saw when they were in the east appear? Because that's a, that's a start point for him. That tells him when the child was born. And then he says, hey, you know, when you go to Bethlehem and find the kid, let me know where he is, because you're going to have to diligently seek for him. But when you know, let me know that I may come and worship him also. And the wise men expected, if you look at the text, to have to diligently search they got to comb all through Bethlehem to find who's been born within the last period of time. If, you know, if it was a year, they got to find all the one-year-old boys and find the one that meets the criterion that might be a king. And so they leave Jerusalem and they start heading toward Bethlehem with this expectation that it's going to be a difficult time finding the Messiah. And they're surprised and thrilled when that star that's still up in the sky seemingly comes down from the sky and moves to a lower altitude and it's heading the same way they are. No longer is it a star in the sky, it's now a star they can follow. 
And they praise God. Not knowing who God is, they praise God for giving them this light that's going to make their life so much easier. They were looking forward to a several month search. And now they're literally following the star. And the star goes west into Bethlehem. And then it alights over one particular house. Very clearly. And they're like, well, long search is done. They go into the house and they find. Well, let's not go there yet. Uh, This is live. Bob, is is the pulpit on? That seems weird. Okay. Oh, I must be getting better feedback from the speakers. <clears throat> so the star drops from the heaven, starts to lead them. No searching will be required. This is a very supernatural star sent by God to guide them. And God more than met the needs of these men who desired only to see and worship Christ and bring gifts. And that's a great encouragement to me. These weren't Christians. These weren't servants of God. But he was using these ungodly men to bring something to his son Christ. And it's it's just a beautiful illustration of how we can all be servants of God. So they come and they open their gifts. Things happen there with Mary treasuring everything in her heart. But they're warned in a dream and they skip Jerusalem on their return journey. But Herod finds out about this from the grapevine. Because three or more, or we don't know the number, that three is is nothing but tradition, a bunch of funny-dressed wise men coming into town, following a very visible star, is the sort of thing people are going to talk about. And when these men unload their treasures and give incredible treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to a poor family with a newborn baby, that's something to talk about. I guarantee you the gossip tree was running a mile a minute. But let's talk timing for a moment. The word that's used in the Bible for Christ is paedion in the Greek, not brephos. Child, paedion, versus infant, brephos. And the usual demarcation line, there's about a year old. They kind of stop being an infant somewhere around a year old. Maybe a little longer. Ladies, you can give me your opinions at the appropriate time. And later in the story, we'll talk about that in a moment, Herod killed all boys two and under. And that bounds the time of their visit. Sometime after Jesus was a year old, sometime before Jesus was two years old. But why were Mary and Joseph still there? Why were they in Bethlehem? That wasn't their home. But when the wise men came between a year and two years later, they were still in Bethlehem. Why were they in Bethlehem in the first place? Anybody remember? Louder? Yeah. Everyone in the Roman Empire was told to go to his ancestral hometown, and there he would be counted and taxed. This census was not to improve the governance. It was just to get the money. Everybody had to pay. 
And to me, that suggests a reason why they were still there. They get to, they get to Bethlehem, and there's only a certain number of civil servants whose job it is to collect the tax and mark everybody off in the paperwork. And don't think paperwork is a modern thing. The Babylonians, the Romans, had lots of paperwork. The census officials required them to be there, and the tax officials would have started with the rich, important people and worked their way gradually down. Now, has anyone here ever seen the movie Zootopia? Little animated bit family. Have you seen it? What were all the bureaucrats in the DMV or the DPS? What was unique about them? They were all one animal. They're all sloths. And it's a, it's a great bit of, of uh, funniness when the, the, the police officer comes, in, officer comes in trying to get quick information. And they're like, good morning. And no matter how she tries to speed things along, they just move at sloth speed. And it's going to be no different for these tax collectors in Rome, out of Rome. They start with the important people. And they work their way down to the poorest. And apparently it took over a year. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. That's my opinion. But if it helps you understand the scripture, great. If you don't like it, toss it away. Come up with your own stuff. They just hadn't had their time slot come up yet, so they're still waiting. Fortunately, they're staying with relatives. Or their money, what they had of it, would long since have run out. Let's have that next passage, please. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted, because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So continuing the story, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream again, just as an angel had announced to Joseph that the child which Mary carried 
was of God. Possibly the same angel. Bible's not clear. And he warns Herod to go to Egypt because, let's try that again. He warns Joseph to go to Egypt because Herod sought his son's life. And Joseph collects up his family and that night leaves Israel in simple, humble obedience. This is a wonderful reinforcement of what we saw Joseph do the first time the angel talked to him. And God said, don't be scared to take her as your wife. The son is of God. And Joseph just did it. I mean, out of left field request. Okay? Um, You know, if my daughter showed up pregnant and said, well, you know, it's the son of God, I'd be like, yeah. Okay. Time for the wraparound blazer with the sleeves that tie in the back. But Joseph, warned of God, just does it. Collects up his family, as I said, leaves Israel. Simple, humble obedience. They stayed in Egypt for about two years until Herod died. And I believe that they financed that trip with the wise men's gifts. First thing they gave was gold. Joseph was a poor family. He didn't have enough money to get up and go. But he had this gold. And you might say, Joseph, how dare you say, spend your son's gold? It was to save his son's life. I don't have an issue with that. And he would have had to live in the poverty they were used to, but probably not without, with, probably without Joseph getting a job in Egypt because he wants to keep a low profile. So that gold came in handy, I believe. And then when Herod the Great died, funded their trip back. And probably contributed to setting up Joseph uh, in his new carpenter job up in Nazareth. So Herod's reaction, he told the wise men that he wanted to worship this new king as well. His true plans are revealed when he's mocked of the wise men. Now the wise men did not show up outside the wall of Herod's palace and go, Ha ha, we fooled you. It's not that kind of mocking. The mocking was they disrespected him. They didn't do what he told them to do. And so he felt belittled by being disrespected. That's the, ter- that's the term mocked used here. So he goes out and has his army go out and kill every male child in that area under the age of two. Just a little slaughter. No big deal. Herod was a cruel king. He comes down in history with the appellation Herod the Great for other reasons, but he easily could have been called Herod the Self-Centered, Herod the Cruel, Herod the Generally Nasty Guy that you don't want to have anything to deal with. And this was prophesied in Jeremiah 31.15. And let's move on and talk about that. So I would say it was darkly prophesied. Now, there are some prophecies that are pretty much clear as day. Jesus will be born of a virgin. How many, how many ways can you misinterpret that? Jesus, born virgin. Pretty clear. No argument. But when Jeremiah 
in 31.15 said, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Now it had a clear and immediate meaning. He was prophesying about the coming invasion by the Babylonians. And there was a direct meaning there. But it also pointed ahead to another event. And this is very common in God's prophecies. It will point to a more immediate event and a more future event. But that future event wasn't that obvious until Matthew, 600 years later, calls it out and says, that was prophecy. And, you know, it happened again. The people in that area, the mothers, weeping because their kids were dead. All of the mothers, well, half of them. That's a lot of weeping. So let's talk about for a moment about which Herod, because there's a lot of men in the Bible named Herod. This was Herod the Great. He was an Edomaean, which actually means he was an Edomite, a descendant of... Uh, thank you. His brain stopped working. A descendant of Esau. He was given his throne by the Romans. And he also named his sons versions of Herod. He was appointed by Rome in 40 BC, conquered Jerusalem by 37 BC, and ruled until 4 BC. He was extravagant, murderous, and had 10 or more wives. And he did a lot of renovation and building in Israel in an attempt to capture the hearts and minds of Israel. For example, the great temple that was built at that period was built by Herod, finished by his son. But he was a cruel man, willing to kill many, as many as it took, to keep his personal power and his future dynasty safe. Now, trying to keep Jesus from the throne was a hopeless effort. Herod was ignorant of this, didn't see the reality, but that throne promised to Jesus by God is one of the absolute central realities of God's plan for, for, for history, for the world. You knock that off course and God's whole plan goes... <laughs> but God, being both omniscient and omnipotent, his plans don't go. <laughs> They're cast in the, in, the, in the hardest metal, in the strongest stone, and nothing going to bump him off of that, those rails. God knew what was coming, so he just moved Jesus and his family to Egypt. On the way, fulfilling a prophecy that he, was call, he would call his son out of Egypt. Now the passage, apologies, the passage we've just read in chapter 3 says, when Her excuse me, the previous passage, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled... And all Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem was troubled at the word that their Messiah and king was being born. Does that make sense? Is that what you'd expect? Troubled? Worried? Versus joyful? Our Messiah is finally coming? After 400 years of silence from God, our Messiah is coming? But they're not joyous. They're troubled. 
How far have they wandered from the path of God? You know, when God's accomplishing things and you're out of his will, it don't make you happy. If you're in his will, it makes you very happy. And Herod's advisors, the priests, the high priests, the scribes that he consulted with to find out where Messiah was being born. How many of them went with the wise men from out of town? How many of them went to see the Messiah being born? They'd lost track of the the important stuff. Simeon and Anna, they knew what was important. Find the Messiah, worship him, let everyone know. Most of Israel, they just didn't care. Too busy living their daily lives. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, as I said, another dream reveals to Joseph the death of Herod the Great. And he was succeeded on his throne by Herod Antipas, also known as Archelaus. This guy would be another roadblock to Christ. He beheaded John the Baptist. He, uh, he participated in the trial of Christ before he was sent on to Pilate. And his kids, the grandchildren of Herod the Great, would persecute the church and try, that is, put Paul to trial. Fearing Herod's son, Joseph brings his family up to Galilee and the town of Nazareth. Now, Matthew says this fulfills the prophecy that his son, Jesus, would be called a Nazarene. But no matter how long you search your Bible, you won't find that prophecy. So Matthew says prophecy was fulfilled, but there's no prophecy in the Old Testament that said Jesus would be called a Nazarene. That's a bit of a head-scratcher. Now, we know, we believe, that there are no errors in the Bible. But this looks suspiciously like an error. And you could take the low path and say, well, there's an error in the Bible. I don't believe anything anymore. I'm going home. Or you could try to figure out what Matthew meant. Now, a Nazarene, a person from Nazareth, is from a little podunk, I mean, we're talking Cashbox, Texas, cut and shoot, out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm sure there's more out in the middle of nowhere towns that I don't know the name of. And the Israelites already looked down on the Galileans. They were at best third-class citizens as far as believing that they followed the law and worshipped God. You had the pure bloods down there in Jerusalem, in, in Judea. They're the best. And then over here in, I done forgot the name. Huh? Not Samaria. They were the, four, they were the dirt. Inland. Away from the shores of the sea, uh, not to Cameron, there's another one. Anyway, they were second class. Galileans, they were at best third class. They talked funny. They were always a little suspected of being idolaters. And the ones that came from the country, they were the worst. And we know in the Bible, in the Old Testament, very clearly says Jesus would be despised 
and rejected. And so to a first century Judean, he came from a despised part of the country and being a rural Galilean, the really despised. He was, he was from the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks. And that's what a lot of people, and me included in that pocket, believe that this is what Matthew was saying. In being a Nazarene, he was automatically despised and rejected, and that was a prophecy of God. So in this lesson, what we really see are two opposed responses. We have the wise men and Simeon and Anna in the temple. The wise men from the east made a great trip. We don't know how long, but long, just to meet and worship Christ. And they brought sacrifices, gifts. Herod, all he wants to do is kill Jesus. And this is really characteristic of the historic and current responses to Christ. There's no middle ground. You love him or you hate him. Most of the people in here, I presume, love him. A whole lot of people out there hate him. Herod's hatred led to killing and destruction. And the Bible's very clear on that no middle ground. Jesus himself Luke eleven twenty three 23 said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Those who repent, trust, and receive Christ love him as their king. Those who cannot tolerate another king in their life reject him utterly and work continually to downplay him. So applications, there are, there are two slides here with the opportunity for audience class participation. In what specific ways could you use this passage, the third one, of Christ fleeing to Egypt to show someone else the faithfulness of God? I got like four minutes to wait. There's nothing? You don't see God's faithfulness in this passage? Certainly. Always the great provider, God. Anyone else? I believe I've threatened this. Last chance. Where's my cricket sound? I can't find it. I guess you get another chance. What? No crickets? My life is such disappointment. All right. So nobody wants to talk about it? Guess what? The problem with this app is it won't shut up. Like ever. You have to manually close it. All right. Let's go to the next one. You have been warned. Crickets are available. How have you seen in your life or in the world around you these opposing responses to Christ, love or hate, 
to Christ, his church, or his mission. What have you guys seen in your own lives? 